Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Injured Preserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. So let's just jump right into it, folks. Uh, sorry I didn't make an episode this past week, uh, last week I should say. I got got a little busy with uh, just personal things, uh, still uh, moving in a few things uh, with a buddy of mine, so in school and whatnot. So, man, what can I say? Uh, Cavs down 0-2 against the Golden State Warriors, the arguably one of the biggest debacles in sports history with J.R. Smith. Grabs the rebound, George Hill misses the second free throw, makes the first one to tie the game at 107, and um, the rest is history. J.R. Smith could have went back up with it. Uh, I don't know. Apparently, evidently, J.R. Smith thought they were up. Uh, thought they were up in the final seconds of game one there in Golden State. Hence why he dribbled the ball out of, out of, out of, you know, out midcourt, I guess you could say, or damn near close to midcourt. And LeBron's looking at him like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So, man, (laughs) I think the, the, the social media, the sports world, just everyone just, man, they had a field day. The internet is undefeated when it comes to that kind of stuff. J.R. Smith is smoking or stay off that Henny, J.R. Smith, whatever it may be. But, man, the Internet had a field day with that. The social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, you, the, the Instagram, you name it. But, uh, yeah, man. Whew. And they, a lot of people say that could have been the series, uh, you know, that, that was huge in the series for a lot of people say. Some people say it, you know, would have been that big of a deal. I think it would somewhat have been a big deal getting that game one in Golden State if Cleveland would have pulled that out and going back to Cleveland tonight and the series tied in Cleveland. I think they have a chance to win tonight. And I think this, game three is game seven for Cleveland tonight. Let's be real. Uh, the LeBron's going to go 40-10-10. He's going to get a triple-double tonight. And the messed up thing is, I don't think Cleveland still has a chance. He can put up a triple-double, and they're still going to struggle. Because if Draymond Green's not on, Clay Thompson is on. Ooh, excuse me. If neither of those two are on, then they still got Durant and Stephon Curry. Kevin Love has been playing somewhat decent. He's been showing up the Kevin Love that we know from Minnesota. But the thing is, that's even when Kevin Love and LeBron James are both on point, that is still not enough firepower. It is... You know, it's four All-Stars against two All-Stars. I'm not giving, you know, any excuse to that because the fact of the matter is Cleveland has never played any defense, period. And that game one was just huge, man. They they got outscored 17-7 to in overtime, and they just get blown away in games two, and now they go back to Cle- Golden State, travels to Cleveland tonight for game three. I Man, I don't have to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I think... LeBron's going to play the entire game again, like he did game one. But he's get, he's running on fumes. Like I said before, he's going to run on fumes. I don't care how freak of an athlete you are. Yes, 33 years old, 15 years in. You could tell in game two, he's tired. He's mentally, I don't, he's tired. People don't say, oh, he's not physically tired. He's tired. 
I don't care who you are. You're playing 48 minutes. He's playing an average 45 minutes, basically, a night. Just so his team can hang on and hold on. But it ain't going to be enough. And the thing is, whether LeBron James fans like to admit it or not, I'm a fan. I'm going to be real with y'all. That's on LeBron James. Why? Should have kept Kyrie. Everyone was saying back of fall 2017, what were they saying? Oh, we won the trade with Boston. We got Isaiah Thomas. We got this and that. La, 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 la. We got Derrick Rose in the offseason. La, la, la. We got D. Wade. Things are going to be just fine. Told y'all, Kyrie Irving is the heart and soul of that Cleveland team, whether fans like him or not. LeBron James, athletically, yes, the best player on that team. The heart and soul, absolutely, positively not. Not even close. Kyrie Irving is the heart and soul of that team. When LeBron James took his talents to South Beach, they got Kyrie Irving, he's starting to rejuvenate that franchise. They were going to be a playoff team before even LeBron got there. They were getting there. And that was going to be Kyrie's go-to team. That was going to be his team. LeBron James came back to Cleveland. Him and Kyrie wasn't, you know, kind of the chemistry was like, eh, so-so. And, you know, just like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant is like, I can't play with you. I'm out of here. Same thing. Kyrie Irving, I can't play with you. I'm out of here. They should have, you know, if they would just put, you know, pride goals before the fall. They, you, when it comes to athlete, you got to let your ego aside, man. Be like, look, you know. <laughs> Wait, it's like, uh, how can I say this? Um... You got to put your ego aside. Like, look, man, this is your team. Cool. Let Kyrie be that guy. But, you know, it, it wasn't the case. Um, oof. Down 2-0. Game 3, Cleveland. I think they take Game 3. If they don't, I'd be surprised. But <sighs> LeBron's going to put up a triple-double, play all 48 minutes. He's going to go 45, probably 12 and 15 it's gonna he's gonna put up a crazy stat and they're they're either and that's even if they still have a shot but I don't want to hear all of this goat talk I that that goat talk died in 2011 let's be real stop with the goat talk stop with like oh he's gracing the cover NBA 2k19 he's saying you know he's we are all witnesses he's the king he's the goat he's this and that uh strive for greatness hashtag whatever Stop with the GOAT tag. People like Colin Coward and Shannon Sharp, stop with GOAT James. That is not even close. Stop it right now. It is a soft, weak era, era and it's boring. Basketball's boring. I'm going to be real. Am I going to watch it? Absolutely. But it's boring. It's high scoring. There's no defense anymore. You, you take an 80s, 90s game, hell, I'm more entertained with that game than I am with the finals now. The sad thing is, when I watched the All-Star game this past or this past year, back in February, honestly, it looked like a legit score from any other NBA game. Except it's worse because they were just playing around. They didn't really take it serious. So, um, anyway, not to get too sidetracked. It, I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, bashing anything LeBron James has done. Phenomenal stats. It's crazy. But, again... Who else does these stats? Russell Westbrook does it. Why does he get criticized and LeBron James doesn't? 
LeBron just has three rings compared to Russell Westbrook's zero. And the only reason why he's got three rings is because who? Dwayne Wade, Chris Brosh, for one. They should have won all four finals during his tenure in Miami, but they went two and two. They lost to Dallas. So that's three All-Stars against one All-Star, Dirk Nowinski. But for some reason, people fail to bring that up. I don't get that. But when it's two All-Stars against four All-Stars, it's like the, the, the biggest uphill battle of all time. First of all, we don't even know if some of these players are going to make the Hall of Fame. Because some of these players are putting up similar stats that there's other players that have been to the finals. And they're not even the Hall of Fame. I'm being, I'm being serious, though. You take the 91 finals, right? You take Magic, uh, you take the Showtime Lakers, and you take the uh, Chicago Bulls. Jordan's first finals appearance, right? First time making it. So you got, you got Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Sam Perkins. Uh, God, who else? There was like two other players that, 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 team, that team was stacked. And on Chicago, you had Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. That was it. The Showtime Lakers were stacked. Super stacked. Let's see here. So yeah, you take you take the you take the ninety one Lakers, right? James Worthy, nineteen points per game. Magic Johnson, eighteen points per game. Vladi Divac, 18 points per game. Sam Perkins, 16 points per game. I mean, man. The only other player that, you know, who had a good season, but some reason just, let's see, I think he was hurt, was uh, Byron Scott. But, let's see. I mean, Byron Scott putting up similar stats compared to what Klay Thompson and Draymond Green doing right now. When he was with the Lakers, I mean, he balled out. And he, I mean, when they, the the third time they won the championship with Byron Scott, the eighty-seven, eighty-eight season, he was he let the he put up twenty-one points per game. But hey, he finished his career 14, 14 two and one. But I don't know. But technically, what I'm trying to say is this. Lakers had five All-Stars in the starting lineup compared to Chicago's two All-Stars. It's five against two. It's four. Right now, it's four against two. So I don't want to hear all this, you know, Michael had to face, you know, he never had to face the Golden State Warriors this night. I don't want to hear it. Do not want to hear it. Michael averaged 31 points per game in the finals, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. Scottie Pippen, 20, 6 assists, 9 boards a game. So it's two All-Stars against five. And LeBron has two against four. He put himself in that position for one. So let's be real. I, I just hate that this is the only thing. I'm a fan of LeBron James. I just can't stand the fact that most of y'all LeBron James fact or LeBron James fans disregard who he's played with and who he's went up went up against. I just cannot stand that. 
I know I elaborated this a couple episodes ago, but still, I think it was the last episode. But anyhow, I just I just have to keep reiterating it, reiterating it, because everywhere I go on, on social media, that's all you see. LeBron James has never had any help. It's just like, really, dude? I can name all the help in the world he's had. Yeah, eight finals, great accomplishment. How's his record, though? It's like, how can I say? It's like Jerry West. He's been to the finals, what, 10, 11 times? His record ain't that great, I can tell you that. Excuse me. Ugh. I had some coffee. Um, I just, man, it's just, I don't know. I just, I can't stand when fans just, uh, you know, completely disregard who LeBron James played with. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disregarding what Michael Jordan has had too as well. Scott Pippen does deserve a lot of praise. I'm not disregarding like I because people like because I'm a fan of Jordan as well. A lot of overly fans of Michael completely disregard like he's God, like he never did anything wrong. He has. He's had bad games. That's not. That's not t- leave that out of context. But there's a reason why he's the GOAT as well. There's a reason why he averaged 31 points per game in the playoffs. There's a reason why, you know, in this third title against the Portland Trailblazers, he was averaging 41 points per game in the finals. You know, there's a reason why people, a lot of people in the pros and fan perspective, claim him as the GOAT still today, 20 years later. Oh, man. But man, oh, man. What can I say? Well, uh, man, oh. <laughs> game three tonight. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. Game three is game seven for Cleveland. They don't win this game, obviously. There's no way they're winning four straight against this Golden State Warriors team. Game three is game seven. Cleveland fans, LeBron James fans. Buckle up. It's going to be a hell of a game tonight. LeBron's putting up a triple-double. And even then, I don't know if it's enough. But hey, I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back shortly. And welcome back to Engine Reserve Podcast. So, uh, Tony O'Brien posted on Twitter a couple days ago. Top five wideouts in the past ten years. Now, I'm a Pitt fan. I know I say that like a broken record. Antonio Brown, I got to say, top five, him, I got to put him at, like, number three. Because, man, you got to, because past ten years, top five, you got to think. There's Calvin Johnson. There's Larry Fitzgerald. There's Randy Moss. There's Julio Jones. Wes Welker. I mean, man, like, it's a a wide variety of lists there. Now, for me, personally... Top five in the past 10 years, I got to put is this. I got to say, number one has to be Larry Fitzgerald. Just his, you know, his durability. The fact that he's been able to last this long. He, he's had his worst years in his career were like seven, 700, 900 yards for like two seasons. It looks like he was on his way out back in like 2013-14 season. And he comes back within the next three years. And posting, uh, you know, the past three years, 3,300 receiving yards. And the fact that he's just able to stay, you know, his longevity and that flexible and to play in that rough of a sport, 
you know, arguably the hardest sport to play in. And the, he's still leading his Arizona Cardinals team. And the fact that that team, you know, they, they've had their struggles in the past and losing their head coach, Bruce Arians, and their, their quarterback, Carson Palmer. And the fact that if Larry Fitzgerald, he, he has every right to say if he wants to be traded or retire, because, man, <laughs> Father Time is undefeated. He, I, I would like to see that man get a ring. Uh, but uh, who knows? Uh, he, he That man's work ethic is just insane. So I got him at number one. Number two, hey, got to have Megatron. Calvin Johnson from the D- Detroit Lions. Man, that watching him for, play for Detroit, again, another wideout. Another great wideout with a team that was just mediocre at best. Matt Stafford, personally for me, overpaid and highly overrated. I'm just going to leave it at that. I know some of y'all Lion fans could get at me. It's just, it is what it is. He is way overpaid, highest paid quarterback in the league. He's got, he's made, uh, he's brought the Lions to two playoff appearances. What's his record? He's 0 for 2. Cannot get it done. Lost to the Saints. And he's lost to the Seahawks. Uh, the, the organization, the way that how they handle things is poochies, it's jank, it's dust, it's junk. Man, they're everything. Hence why Kelvin Johnson left. Another great player, still in his prime. And he just ups and, you know, just leaves like, I'm done. He wanted to go somewhere else, they wouldn't do it to him. And he's like, alright, I'm out of here. He retired. Same exact circumstances that came to Barry Sanders, to my to my opinion, the greatest running back of all time, and you know, again, another great athlete, another dude that retired, still in his prime. He still had two, three more good years. Same thing with Calvin. Yeah, he could have put up two, three more good years worth of numbers. But I don't blame him. I'm not gonna be mad at him, and saying like, "Hey, I'm done." I'm like, I totally respect that organization. He didn't like the way things were going, and he's like, I'm out of here. So he's at number two. Tony O'Brown, number three. Ben, man, if you have a Tony O'Brown in fantasy, I've had him a couple times. Consistent, a freak of nature, Big Ben's go-to guy. You know, they're, they're just, uh, they're big on the pass with Todd Haley. Now that he's gone, I don't know how the offense is going to be this year. You know, and hold the thing with Levon Bell. I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know if he's going to participate in OTAs, but I don't know. Anyhow, Tony Brown putting up massive numbers, Central Michigan alum. That dude is just a freak, uh, athletic, always constantly working, putting it, trying to uh, elevate his game as I follow him on Instagram. Just a phenomenal dude. 5'10", just a small dude. He's not like Calvin or Larry Fitzgerald size. size. Those guys are like... 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and Tony Brown's only like 5'10", five, 5'11", five, he's like my height, but an inch or two taller. So, got him at three. Number four, I gotta say Randy Moss. Randy Moss, uh, so technically we're doing the last 10 years. His tenure, you know, kind of died out. Uh, during when, when he came to New England, he was that dude. Him and Brady, it just worked, man. It was nuts. It was crazy. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, that was his, that duo was dangerous. You know, it's, they never end up winning a ring. You know, when they went 16-0, they lost to the Giants. And then, 
Randy had another, you know, a couple good years, and then New England was done with him. And then I believe he went to Minnesota, and then he went to San Fran, and his career kind of ended there. But you cannot disregard the fact his numbers and what he put up. It's just, uh, it's wild uh, what he was able to do during his prime. I don't think some people really know, especially kids nowadays. Keep in mind, folks, kids are graduating nowadays. Nowadays, Class of 2018, they were born in 2000. Let that sink in. So some of these kids don't even know who Randy Moss is or are probably just learning about him and watching YouTube highlights. Where opposed to us, us mid-20s and early 30s, actually watch the man play. So let that sink in. Randy Moss, number four. Number five, ugh, tough. That's a toughie, but I got to go with Julio Jones. Atlanta Falcons, amazing. Again, like uh, same concept as Big Ben and Antonio Brown. That's Matt Ryan's go-to guy. Julio Jones, his numbers are insane. It's, it's phenomenal what he's able to do and bring to the table for Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> totally sad that, uh, you know, Atlanta couldn't get the job done against New England. Uh, at 28-3, I'm sure that's a phenomenal number and a significant number that will stick in Atlanta Falcon fans' uh, head for the rest of their life. But, uh, hey, I'm going to take a quick break. That is my top five. I would be more than happy to uh, listen to uh, hear y'all's agendas and what you have to say in your top five wide receivers the past 10 years. So, uh, yeah, please feel free. Give me your feedback. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back shortly. And welcome back to Injury Reserved. So, <laughs> this will be the final segment of the day. Got a few things to discuss. Uh, one, yesterday, the main highlight for the most part, besides J.R. Smith getting trolled on, getting decimated online by millions of viewers, um, Philadelphia Eagles declined to visit the White House, just like any other sports team that's been doing it for the past like year and a half since uh, Donald Trump's been uh, in the White House. <laughs> I just, I can't lie, I find it hilarious, to be honest with you. Uh, only, I guess rumor, there was only like four or five players that were rumored to, you know, to still go. And the fact of the matter is, it says a lot about your leadership in this country. When every single team, whether baseball or football or basketball, you know, popular brands of uh, sports, uh, everyone's just like, no, I'm not going to the White House. This says a lot about your leadership. Name another president. Name another president where uh, a team declined to go. You know, what I mean, and no one really, no one cares. No one does. Uh, I mean, uh, it's fun. It's funny because Trump actually gets butthurt about this whole thing. And I, I disagree with the whole... He gets all pissy and whiny uh, about the whole National Anthem protest. And let me let me tell y'all something real quick. I served in the Army for three years. And one thing that uh, anyone with common sense or logical thinking is this. Is the reason why our brothers and sisters serve today 
is because so people have the right to protest and freedom of speech as long as it's in a positive manner. Even then, people can still say or do things in a negative manner. That's what makes this country good. Not great, but good. If you can, if you can grasp the concept, concept of that. But all of us agree, as long as someone is doing something or practicing their faith or protest or saying or preaching or whatever it may be in a positive manner, then that's what makes this country awesome. And Colin Kaepernick started a movement where it made a majority of white folks uncomfortable. I'll give you, uh, some of y'all that don't know what I look like, I, I am, for the most part, I am, I come from a descent of, uh, uh, how can I say this, uh, Irish and, uh, what else, what else was there, like, Irish, Scandinavian, and Native American, for the most part, I, for basically, for the most part, I'm 75% white. Uh, the quarter percent, uh, the twenty-five percent of me is I am Native American. My dad's half. My dad's mother was full-blooded Native American. So, with that being said, is this is man? They need for, uh, patriotism is the right to free speech or practice anything you want in a positive manner. That's what it is. And what they're doing is forced patriotism. They're using the military. Uh, logic. They're using that uh, perspe- perspective. All the people that died, that's for the respect for the flag. That is not what is it about. But people always, but Trump has made it about the military, and it really isn't. So let's, let's nip that in the bud real quick. And he's throwing a history fit like he did yesterday. And so that all the eagle, a, a majority, you know, Philadelphia declined, like, no, I'm not going to the White House. And Trump was like, nope, I'm uninviting you. It's like the, the, that ego boost, man. Just like me, 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 me. It's funny. It's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So Trump, just let him be the child that he is. Uh, I don't care if what y'all say. I don't care if I lose viewers on this perspective. It's funny. And now, don't get it twisted. Oh, I bet you're leftist. No, not even close to that. I'm neither left nor right. It is the same damn bird, whether people like to agree or not. If you want real change in this country, you try the third party. You try the third party in this country, that will scare the hell out of the CEOs in this, in this, in this country. The, the major corporations and the businesses, the Apples, the Amazons, you name it. You get a third party in there, hey... It would be wild. It would be nuts how this country would change and how stipulations would be better. But until then, it ain't going to happen. It hasn't happened in a long time. But not to get too off course, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a third party. Me, myself, and I party. So, <clears throat> with that being said, uh, I command Philly. Even the mayor uh, made some shots fired to Donald Trump, and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, NFL, you're, you're messing up. Uh, Roger Goodell, you handled yet again, another policy, terrible. Uh, he needs to go. He sucks at his job. I'll say that right here, right now. Now, with that being said, uh, let's segue to UFC 225, which is coming up this Saturday, June 9th. We got Robert Whitaker 
the middleweight champion going against Yoel Romero, a freak of an athlete, a super jack dude. This man is insane. I don't know if any of y'all watched, but Yoel Romero is 41 years old. Cuban, uh, uh, his nationality is Cuban. This dude's a freak of nature. He lost to Robert Whitaker the first time, and that was only a second loss. Since then, I beat Luke Rockhold back in February. Um, so, basically, uh, he lost to Robert Whitaker for the in- interim uh, UFC middleweight championship. And they also won fight of the night. So, that, I believe, is going to be a slugfest. Y'all Romero, 41 years old. I mean, man, he started this sport. It, it, he's just the epitome of, like, it's never too late to start. He started back in 2009, so you got to think, that man was 32 years old when he began pro, so it's never too late. It's the same thing with Randy Couture. He started out late, and I think it's late 20s, early 30s, same thing as y'all Romero. So he's 41, dude, super jacked. He's, a, he's just a freak of nature, uh, 13-2, and two, uh, 11 out of those 13 wins have been knocked out, two by a decision. Two of those losses have been one by knockout, one by decision. So that's going to be a great, great match. Robert Whitaker, you know, middleweight champion, 27 years old, 5'11", 19 wins, four losses. Uh, a couple, of, you know, he's been uh, he's been on a terror lately, man. He, he, he hasn't lost since 2014. And ever, uh, that was against Stephen Thompson. Ever since then, he's been on a tear, uh, taking you know kicking uh, kicking ass, taking names in the middleweight division, and he's been doing it with ease. So, well, besides the the Yoel Romero fight, which I won fight of the night, and uh, Rafael Desanos and Kobe Covington for the welterweight title, as well as on the line as well. Desanos again another. Dude, that's been on terror in the welterweight div- division. And then for the women's featherweight, you got uh, Holly Holm against Megan Anderson. Holly Holm, man, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget her her infamous kick to uh, Ronda Rousey, man. That kick was just, oh, I'll never forget that fight because I like I've been telling people before, before Ronda Rousey lost, she was 10-0, and I told people, I'm like, she's overrated. She hasn't faced anyone to level up her competition because the reason why she's been finishing all these girls so quick with the arm bars, that's what she's been infamous for, is because they're not that good of strikers and they're not that good of grapplers. The only noticeable wins I'll give her was against Misha Tate, but Misha Tate was, you know, she even was not even been known to be glorified in the wrestling charts. So when it came to that, okay, Ronda Rousey, you know, like I said, I'm like, if she faces someone that, you know, that's great at stand-up and just can keep off the ground, Rousey's in trouble because she can't strike. She's never been uh, challenged for standing up. And that's exactly what happened. Holly Holm was able to deflect her takedowns, and surprisingly, Rousey didn't go for that many takedowns. I don't know why uh, her trainer had her box a boxer. I'll never get that, but that's what happened. And we saw what happened. Holly Holm knocked her out. So she's got a fight against Megan Anderson. Great. That should be a good fight. Another great fight is Andre Arflosky against Ty Tuz... Uh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to garbage this name. Ty 
Tavasa. Uh, that is a new name to me, I'll be honest. Ty Tavasi from Sydney, Australia. He's 25 years old. He is the same age as me. Let's see, he is 7-0, so he's making waves right now. So this is his third UFC fight. He was 5-0 before he began his UFC run. So this is new to me. So this is big. This is a big fight for this young man. I mean, especially facing someone like Andre Evlosky. That's a big... Evlosky's uh, got a lot of experience. 39 years old. You know, he, he's faced a lot of legends in his career. 27-15. and 15, 27 on this fight. 17 been knockout. But he's also been prone to get knocked out as well. Uh, he's been on a two-fight win streak. Uh... Last fight against Stefan Struve, unanimous, back in March. Uh, he did go on a tough stir, uh, losing uh, five consecutive fights for a while. Uh, getting against, you know, some big-name people, you know, Overeem, Barnett, Mielczyk, uh the current heavyweight champion, who also has a big fight coming up against the one and only Daniel Cormier in a few weeks after that. And, of course, you've got CM Punk against Mike Jackson. Welterweight. Don't know who Mike Jackson is. I can't even select this man's name on Wikipedia. So, this has to be someone new. Probably maybe two or three fights of experience, I'm guessing. So, yeah. Then you got then you got the prelims, who Alistair Overeem is on, against a Curtis Blades. A Curtis Blades, uh, 27 years old. Out of Chicago, he is nine and one. So again, another young and up and comer against a vet, widely old veteran and Alistair Overeem. He did, however, beat Mark Hunt by decision back of February 2018. So this Curtis, you know, he's he's got some spunk, as I can tell. Overeem again, 38 years old. Uh, his last fight was against Francis Nagano, and people who don't know Francis Nagano, he is just a machine of a man. It, he is, his knockout power is just dangerous, and it's scary. Francis Nagano is that dude. He's the next, I believe, the next fight, to UFC 226, the one, the main highlight with Daniel Cormier and Steve Miocic. Um, Francis Nagano, um, 11 wins, 2 losses. Uh, his last fight was against Ipo Miocic, which was by a decision for the heavyweight championship. But man, he's he's knockout power. I mean, you look he he's knocked out Curtis Blades, who is facing Alistair Overeem, and uh, he's knocked out Anthony Hamilton, Andre Flosky, Overeem. The only is is just ah, this dude is scary in his next fight. Is against Derek Lewis, who is another scary monster of a man who's known for his knockout power. 19 wins, 17 by knockout, 5 losses. I mean, this dude is, it's going to be a slugfest. That could be fight of the night for UFC 226, so look out for that. That's going to be a slugfest. Fortunately, that's not till July 7th, so we have to wait on that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Overeem. Widely old vet, 38 years old, getting up there. But he's got experience. Curtis Blades, uh, young up-and-comer, is going to have his hands full. Then Rashad Evans fighting at light heavyweight against Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, 29 years old. 
Uh, not a young up-and-comer. This dude has experience, actually. 28 wins, 13 losses. Never heard of this dude, to be to be completely honest with you. Uh, his last fight was against Tiago Santos, who I do know. That was back in February 2018. His notable wins were Hector Lombard, Andrew Sanchez. And don't mind my dog, he's squeaking. But, yeah, that should be a good fight. I haven't seen, I didn't even know. I thought Rashad Evans retired, to be completely honest with you. I thought he retired, but I guess that is not the case. He uh, he has been on a losing streak, though. He's lost four straight. Bader, Glover Teixeira, uh, Daniel Kelly, Sam Elvey. So I, he's lost. Those last two guys I've never even heard of. So he's been on a he's been on a down slope. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back and root for him. He's a Michigan State alum uh, when he wrestled at Michigan State. So. Uh, yeah, that should be a wild run. Uh, but yeah, man, UFC 225 stat cards. Same thing with UFC 226. Look out for those uh, June 9th and July 8th, I believe. Yeah, so look out for those. The next two pay-per-views, UFC. I haven't been too inter- intrigued with UFC lately, uh, but these are some. They usually have some big cards when it comes to summertime. They they usually show out. Summertime and like near the end of the year, they they go all out. So this is gonna be huge. It's gonna be nice. It's gonna be uh, if I if I was if I was a bet man, honestly, I think you all Romero takes it the second go around against Robert Whitaker. I think the the 41 year old uh, he takes that title in the middleweight division. I'm rooting for him. He's a monster of a dude. I th- I gotta take Rafael Desanos. I think he retains his title in the welterweight division. Holly Holm, I think she beats Megan Anderson. She's got experience. Her wrestling's gotten somewhat better. She wrestled with Jim Jackson, or uh, yeah, Jackson uh, Gym. That's uh, known for Cain Velasquez and John Jones's uh, training gym. Uh, they're they're known for their wrestling. So uh, her wrestling's gotten remarkably a lot better than it once was. When uh, you know when she faced Misha Tate to defend her title first go around for the featherweight division, and she lost to Misha Tate by wrestling in the final round, I believe for fourth or final round she got submitted. She actually got choked out. She didn't even tap. She just went, you know, lights out. CM Punk against this Mike Jackson. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but CM Punk. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know who this Mike Jackson is. I'm real, I hope CM Punk lasts more than a few seconds like he did against this, uh, the last guy. I'm trying to think of his name. He's actually a noticeable dude. I can't remember who it is. But, uh, yeah, I hope he lasts uh, longer than the first round. And then Overeem, I don't know, man. Uh, Overeem, this Curtis Blades. Uh, it's they it, it, they say the as soon as you get on top it's tough it's tough to stay there because then you got the youngins there the young and hungry young and hungry ones trying to make a name for themselves so Curtis Blades guys like that and Anthony Smith are trying to make uh, money off the you know notorious big names like Overeem and Rashad Evans uh, and uh, Andre Vlasky so definitely uh, I won't be surprised if they lose to be honest with you. Or Overeem could be his, uh, you know, show glimpses of his old self. But, uh, hey, with that being said, that's the final segment of today. Thank you all for listening in to Injury Reserve Podcast. This is your host, Mitchell Anderson. And, uh, uh, as always, stay safe, God bless, and I'll t- um, tune in uh, next time, uh, probably next week, uh, to elaborate more on the finals as well. Y'all have a great day.